0: As you're uh,
1: sitting down, if you could grab your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter two, we're going to take a look at um, a passage here that's um, that we're going to be we're focusing on God with us and as He brings peace. Um, just a quick quiz for everyone: Do you know uh, is there an indicator here that you would know what topic we are speaking on each week? Does anybody notice? How many of you noticed? Can you raise your hand? Okay. I don't feel as bad because there's a lot of you that did not, right? Did you notice this thing changes each week? Oh, everybody's saying yes now, right? Okay. I'm the only one. Okay. Well, I'm parallel or I'm uh, whatever, perpendicular, whatever that is, side by side. I can't read it. Anyhow, Jim and I Jim and Stacy and I were talking about this week and they're like, I wonder if you might notice this. So I'm like, notice what? You know? <laughs> and it was that that thing there that the sign changes. So anyhow, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Well, it does, but not it changing. Okay. So anyhow, uh, we're going to be talking about peace today, and we're going to look at the shepherds and, and some other uh characters, uh cast of characters within this story. But some of you have probably already heard the story, but if you would just humor me because I think it's a very powerful story indicating that mankind really does want peace. Mankind, meaning all people, um, really does want peace. Uh, you probably heard the story back in World War I. You remember that whole story? Uh, during World War I, um, uh, they were you know, in their trenches fighting extremely hard. Christmas arrived uh, right in the midst of a very intense global battle. How many of you have heard this story? Many of you probably have heard this. this, So the battle was taking place uh, right before Christmas, and the pain and suffering of the battle contradicted, obviously, the joy and the spirit, the celebration of Christmas. But during that time, during that night, uh, Christmas Eve, those who fought in World War I, true story, um, when Christmas arrived during that time, these people literally left their trenches um, these soldiers left their trenches and went across enemy lines and began to hand out and trade out like gum, candy bars, cigarettes, stuff like that to indicate this exchange of gifts. At first, obviously, the you know each side was very you know one side was extremely reluctant, like you know what is going on here. But what took place was this incredible sense of peace coming over this over this situation. We're talking about individuals that are actually shooting against each other in a very, at a very intense time in the war, but yet at Christmas Eve, and in and, and the next day, Christmas, there was like this truth, truce, this unspoken truce that took place, that the arms were laid down, there was no fighting that took place. One, uh, there was a document, someone uh, has, has stated that it was documented that even a soccer game uh, took place on Christmas Day during World War I, during one of the most intense um, kind of battles that took place. Very interesting. It's very interesting. And then the next day after Christmas, they were back at it. Isn't that intriguing? But it, I think it just shows you how much the, this sense of peace is is coveted by all. I think we all want that sense of peace within us. But could you imagine in that particular time, could you imagine being in your trench? Could you imagine just hunkering down and, and, and probably knowing the, the time of the year, but then that taking place and how at first you must have, probably wouldn't have trusted it, but yet you engaged with it, and this sense of peace, Christmas peace, just swept over you. I, I just can't imagine what it would have been like for those soldiers during that time. And again, just kind of on this side of it, reading about it and understanding it, it's just absolutely incredible. But, you know, we kind of experience that in a similar way as well. You know, um, we experience God's peace. God can fill us and rule within us when we're surrounded by death, when we're surrounded by enemies. And also God's presence and peace can pierce even the dark and most painful surroundings of our surrounding circumstances. You know, I, we were ta- I was talking to someone this week, and we were talking about something how uh, someone was um, talking about Christmas. And a lot of times at Christmas, You'll hear people talk about suicide and people talk about depression and things like that and kind of give their story and really make it out front. And, and, and at first you kind of think it contradicts it, but then you begin to realize that people are in pain. I mean, we're across the board. There's Some of you are sitting here this morning. No one knows what you're going through right now. You, have, you may have not opened up. You may have not shared. You're, 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 that's a vulnerable place. That's a very, very vulnerable place. You're very reluctant to be transparent to come out of your trench, and understandably so. But the point of it is—the point, I guess, what I'm making right now is—is is that God's presence and His peace can pierce even the darkest moments within our lives, and that's what the—that is what we celebrate even more so during this time of the year. And if we step back and kind of think about, and tomorrow, that's what's going to take place. It's kind of a summation of where we've been, and then we end with Christ, because Christ. Is the summation of all of those things, but as you can take a step back and just look where we've been, you know, we're looking for hope, we're looking for joy, we're looking for uh, love, we're looking for those things, and we're looking for that peace. And at Christmas time, if we don't understand the gospel, we miss out on those things. You can't understand them because at this point in time, when we look back and during Advent and look forward, but when you look back, you realize that. Israel was going through these times. A 400 year period of silence where they heard nothing from God. Absolutely nothing from God. They needed hope. They needed love. They needed joy. They needed a sense of peace to literally break out across their country once again. They had the prophecies. They, had, they were looking for the Messiah. All these things. But they were surrounded in a, in a most painful, dark time of the, of the nation's history. Now, Christmas is typically and rightfully thought of as a season of joy, right? We celebrate. We get together. We, we enjoy our time with each other. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine. That's what, that's, that, it's, it's great if that happens. But deep down, some of us, that may not be happening. We may be troubled. We may have a storm front brewing in our lives. We may have pain buried deep inside of us that relentlessly bombards us and we hunker down. We hunker down. But God's peace can literally oversweep that. We may, we may not be able to end the personal emotions uh, uh, you know within our culture, the physical wars and things like that, but even in those darkest places, we can lean into the presence of God and experience His peace. So as we do that, I want to share with you, I want to take a look at the shepherds first, and I want to look at how uh, the shepherds demonstrated this peace restored. So in Luke chapter two, verses eight through twelve. We'll take a look at that here in a minute but I'll, but real quick the shepherds really kind of get a bad rap if you've studied anything about the shepherds throughout the scriptures you you begin to see especially right around the time of Christ, uh, right around this time of the year or this time when Jesus became uh, incarnate you, the, the shepherds were considered outcasts they were considered these filthy people they were considered these rude uh, we could say lower educated maybe like no educa you know uh, just uh, really, kind of people that were almost outcasts. They didn't really, they didn't really rub shoulders with the with the rest of the people because they kind of function in the lower part of the society. But what's in it re- really interesting is that was never that, that. That's not always been that way forever. What's really interesting is that if we would go back even into the book of Genesis and start reading through the Old Testament, we see people, shepherds, nomadic shepherds, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph, and King David, of whom, of whom Jesus was a direct descendant of. At one time, these, guys, I mean, these are the people they call the patriarchs. But now all of a sudden, the shepherds are considered these lowly, nasty people without any manners, rude, crude, and everything else. So we have these guys out in the field, right? If we could just go through the story real quick. They're out in the field. They're watching their sheep, minding their own business. And the next thing you know, Luke describes it as this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. As I would be. Often I go, I've told this to you, often I go hunting, and when I go out into my tree stand before daylight, I, my mind goes wild, okay? And I can't imagine if I saw some angelic being appear. I would freak out, okay. Even if I had a weapon or whatever. <laughs> they did exactly what every one of us would do. They, it's like what? It's like wow. Now in that time, it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like um, irrational that, that angels would appear. But usually, when angels appeared, there was a message that was pretty heavy, right, and could leave someone. In a state that they really didn't want to be in, so let's look in Luke chapter two, and let's just look at verses uh, eight through 12. just capture a little bit of this story. Um, so in Luke chapter two verses eight through 12, it says, "In the same region right in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. And then suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. So you got these shepherds, the angel appears, and it's like, wow, what what is going on? Extremely unbelievable, right? But yet there's literally more. So once the first angel comes, uh, then there's this host of angels that joins. Now, when you study that word host, um, it means a lot. Of a, it means a lot of whatever it is. The, God's the, the 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 army, the host of all armies, or the armies of hosts. It just means like uh, just a lot. And so you have these guys that are considered at the bottom of the rung of society, outcasts. An angel's coming. An angel comes, and by the way, is surrounded by the glory of God, which would definitely put us on our knees. And then on top of that, a host comes and literally sings this message to these shepherds now can you imagine the confusion and the doubts the shepherds must have had during that particular point in time just like you and i do in our quiet time in our prayers with god when god kind of gently leads us to the, with the holy spirit at times saying hey i want you to take this step and do this we may struggle a little bit with that right we may struggle we may question i don't know about that but now you have these guys they're standing there with this host of angels singing this proclamation and I can't imagine them saying okay I think you've got the wrong person we're just shepherds isn't that what we say yeah god I'm not really I'm not I I don't know if I can do that that's going to disrupt my my plans that's going to disrupt you know my goals that's going to disrupt this that or the other or I'm not equipped to that. I'm not equipped for that. I don't possess the gifts. Now we start in with the good, the good you know, rationale, right? I don't know if I got the right gifts, God, for, for you to... I mean, that's the same thing that they, they must have said. And throughout scriptures we see it. Even with Gideon. Even with Moses. Even with all these other people. It's like, uh, I'm not so sure you got the right person. I'm not so sure you got the right person. And, but yet the angels give this incredible announcement. What's even more incredible about this announcement is that God, when God gives this announcement, He literally turns the whole uh, societal, the whole um, society, whatever it is, the current system on its head. He comes and announces at the bottom, and the bottom is literally going to rock the top, if that makes sense. One would think that He would go to the, you know, to the uh, leaders and things like that, but that's not how God works ever, it seems. And He comes in, and He goes to the bottom, and He says, peace on earth. Going to happen. The time has come, and so the angels appeared to them. The shepherds receive it, the good news, and then they became the message barrier bearers of this peace that just flooded them. The second thing about peace that we read about is the wholeness of peace. When we go back in history and you know and, and read the Old Testament, and we and we see that God gave the law to Moses, and in that law, the way He set up the roles and duties. He's of the priests, he allowed the priests, and he gave the priests this opportunity or this privilege to be able to speak to the people from him. So they were kind of like the intermediary. And he would, he, this priest would talk to the people. He would receive the message from God and talk to the people. And it says in uh, Numbers, it says, The Lord bless you, and he, and he gave them this ultimate blessing to speak to the people. In Numbers 6, 24 through 26, it says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. I bet many of us have heard that in a song before we knew that it was recorded in Numbers where God was speaking to the priests. That word peace that God uses in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for that uh, in that blessing and throughout the Old Testament is where we get the word shalom. Okay, And it conveys this rich, powerful meaning. So much more, than just the absence of fighting. So much more than just the absence of something that is negative. But it's this, it's this sense of, uh, of safety, completeness, and wholeness. Again, going back to the Gospel of Jesus Christ, there's a separation between God and man. If left in that condition, man is damned to hell forever, separated and living in a Christless eternity forever. Peace. There's peace. Peace. How is there peace? There is shalom. God is making peace between man and God. There's nothing that man can do. When I say man, please, I'm talking about all peoples, okay? Mankind. I'm talking about every single one of us born, every single one of us uh, sitting in this room. We are born into this world in a state of sin, in a state of separation. And unless that separation is restored, we're going to be apart from God. The Gospel says that there's nothing you can do about it, but I will provide a way. The Gospel says that Jesus Christ was our Savior and we believe in Him and we experience shalom. You experience true shalom between us and our Creator. What a powerful sense of peace. That's not a peace of just, yeah, my day went great today. I I had peace. No, this is a deep, deep, profound peace. And the Jews of Jesus' day, they didn't get it. They wanted a Messiah that was going to come and turn the political, uh, the political justice upside down, their oppressors upside down. But that wasn't what God had in mind. That wasn't the Messiah that God was sending. God was sending the Messiah that was going to restore His creation back to Him and provide a way to Him. That's the peace that you and I celebrate. That's the peace that Jesus returns that gives us. That's the peace when Jesus returns one day. He will heal all that is broken and restore. God's complete kingdom of shalom. That is what we have to look forward to. The the third thing is this. Peace is a person. Near the end of Jesus' life, if you remember him with his disciples, he developed this incredible connection and relationship with these 12 men. And he, he knew that when he was going to leave to go to the cross, he knew what was going to happen and he leans into them and he begins to have these words with them and begins to tell them, you know, he's going to be leaving. But one of the things he says is, 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 in regards to peace is just so very fitting for right now, very profound. In John 14:27, he says this. Peace I leave with you. Peace, my peace, I give you. I do, not go, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew when He left, they were going to experience some major, major, maybe we could say depression or major sorrow or major whatever it is. They were going to experience some some, some really heavy thinking during this time. Jesus understood that. But Jesus leaning into them, you know, saying, I'm leaving you with peace. Not the peace that the world gives, but a peace that's going to cut deep. A peace that's going to fulfill you don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. Live in my peace. He knew his followers were going to experience something, but he had a gift that would just just overcome all of that. Paul writes to us in Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is peace, is our peace. Referring to God and God's uh, gift of Christ and how God had, you know, through Christ, uh, there was no longer uh, Jew nor... Um, Kidding me, Gentile. I was wanting to say Galatians, but which might have been a Gentile, right? Wow, that was like, and there was no. I wasn't even going to be able to go for that one. It was like gone. So thank you. There was no longer Jew or Gentile. There was no separation whatsoever. Or separation had been restored through Jesus Christ enough to make Paul write that. For he himself is our peace. The next thing I want to share with you is this: peace transforms us. To Be able to weather out life guys I, I mean we, we, we talk about it all the time we run into each other at times we, we when, when someone lets us into their life really lets us into the interior of their life of what's really going on it's life really has a way of doing a number on on, on us uh, whether it be you know we whether, whatever it is you may be going through a storm right now whatever it is uh, you know and, and during this time uh, being peaceful at Christmas, you know, even me talking about peace. Maybe some of you are kind of, it's kind of grinding right now because you're like, man, I, that's what I want, but, uh, you know, I'm really struggling, you know? Um, some of us say, I'd love to choose peace over busyness or hecticness right now or, you know, this franticness that's going on in my life. I'd love to choose peace over my overloaded schedule, my supervisor, my boss that's just under my skin nonstop. I would love to have peace. I would love to have peace where. You know, in this relational conflict that I'm experiencing, this pressure at work or uh, this lost job or illness, you name it, whatever it is, I would love to have that peace. The the, the point of this is that Jesus, and, and I know this sounds trite, I get it, I understand it, but He does give us the peace to weather out the storms of our lives. That is so trite to me. That just sounds like a cheesy card, right? But it's the truth. I think of that passage in Mark four thirty seven and thirty nine. Remember when Jesus they were in, they were in a boat and the disciples were, some of the disciples were with him and they hit this storm. Remember that Jesus is asleep. He's in a storm. This storm is raging. We're talking fishermen on this on this Sea of Galilee. We're talking fishermen that's been on this sea many times. It's not like they're some newbies out there just you know floating around you know spring break or whatever. We're talking about guys, this was their occupation, to the point where they were extremely afraid. They go, they wake up Jesus. Okay, and we're not talking about a big boat here. We saw when we were in Israel, we saw one kind of reconstructed uh in a museum. And it's like, wow, that was the boat? You know, I'm thinking this gotta be a little bit bigger than this. But we're talking about a small boat, but Jesus is laying asleep at the front of the boat. They're so scared they wake him up. And of course, you know, we know what happens where he 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 calms the storm and they're just blown they're just like amazed like how can this guy just have command over the weather and they're amazed but the point of it is this you know how many of us are kind of in that type of situation where our boat's rocking man but i'm you know this is where we know that christ can bring peace in the midst of anything so dark and enable us to uh weather out those storms within our lives how does this happen as i as i bring this together How does this this happen? Number one, God's peace is able to bring a powerful transformation in our spirit. That's where it happens. If you can recall, a lot of times after every service, one of the things I pray is this. I pray that you will allow the spirit of God to connect with your spirit. We talked a little bit about last week. There is a choice to be made. Every single person sitting in here, every single person, whether you believe it or not, you have the ability to either close off the Holy Spirit or allow the Holy Spirit to connect with your spirit. Simply put, God wants to communicate with each and every one of us sitting in here this morning. God wants to, through the power of His Holy Spirit, reveal to you something that you may not have seen before. He wants to reveal to you as you spend time in His Word, as you spend time listening to people teach or preach or whatever, God is wanting to communicate. God's wanting to communicate to you through other individuals, uh, however that may be. But the way that happens is is through the power of His Holy Spirit. You have a choice to turn off your ears, to turn off your mind, to turn off your heart. You can scoff at that, but then your heart is already turned off. You can turn it off. It can become too, too, too much in our face where we say, well, that's threatening. I don't know if I want to do that. You know, we can... We can rationalize ourselves out. We can say, "Well, I've got everything. I, there's nothing else that needs to be changed within my life," which is humorous, right? God wants to communicate to each and every one of us. God's God, and we've said this before. God wants to mature. God wants us to grow into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. He wants us to. That's what. And it's not like this is this is like a do and don't type situation where God wants to do this, but we may don't want to do it, or not want to do it or whatever, the the issue of this is God is love. The issue is God wants to reach into the interior of your hearts and change you and allow you to experience and encounter something that you've never experienced or encountered before. And when we close off and say, I can't do that because I'm okay, we're missing out on the very things that God wants to give you. The very things that God wants to bless you with. In our minds, we write them off because we say, well, that's going to destroy my life. That's going to destroy, you know, maybe my plans, my desires, my passions. Well, here's the the kicker to that. If we don't allow God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, to come into our spirits, we're not going to experience transformation. We're going to be saying things like this. Well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way you are. That's correct. That is the way you are. But why are you not changing? That becomes our mantra. Just accept me for who I am. Hey, man, no one's judging you. But God wants to do a work, man. God wants to transform you. God wants to come into your spirit and just literally transform you. I get so in tears when some of you will come to me and you will tell me of a story of a person, a friend, of a relative that that had lived their lives so hard but then something happened, and the Spirit of God connected with their spirit and radically changed that person. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? I explain it that God transformed them. Are you telling me that people have the ability to just change themselves for that, at that level? That's, that doesn't even make sense. Or to say, well, that's coincidence. That doesn't even make sense. But when someone allows God to just grab a hold of their spirit, we are literally transformed from the inside out. We're new people, as the Bible teaches, but we are, our spirits literally just change. And it's absolutely incredible. Listen to what Paul says, too, you know, about this whole thing of allowing God's peace to transform our spirit. Paul says this, do not be anxious about anything. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. That's a tall drink of water, isn't it? There's times where if someone says that to you, you just want to kind of rip their tongue out, right? It's like, don't be anxious. It's like, it's easy for you to say. But Paul, I think, is one person that truly got it. Somehow, he he got it. Because the situations he was in, and for him to be able to pin out some of the things he pinned out, uh, talking about he kind of found the secret when he talks about that, he, about being content and all these other things, Most of the writings of Paul just literally connects with my spirit because I see a guy who was really kicking and dragging at first, but then as God's spirit just absolutely transformed him, this guy turned into a person that was able to experience and encounter the things that I want to experience. I want to experience a deep peace. I want to experience a deep peace that goes beyond any, any, temporary thing that I experience here on this earth. I want to be able to experience a sense of contentment that just goes beyond all things. Where I am content in Christ. Those are the things, I, you know, and various other things that Paul wrote about. But it's this concept of of, of allowing God to consume us and, and to allow Him to transform our, our spirits. What happens is we talk to, to, to God and give Him thanks. God's Peace begins to swell within us um, and, and and, and literally guards our emotions. And it's this miraculous peace that breaks through all understanding that you and I have. This human understanding. It transcends this human understanding. And what it does, it brings us closer to Him. And when we go to worship Him, just like the shepherds did, we connect with Him. He transforms us. He transforms our outlook. And regardless of what we're going through, regardless of things that we may be experiencing, the things where it just looks like it's dead end, it just seems like it just kind of melts off and we have this, this deep sense of peace because we have this implicit trust in God that's filling our lives. Paul writes again, the last year as the worship team comes back, Paul writes and says this, May the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times and in every way. I hope this morning that if you're struggling with God's sense of peace, that that you would just allow that the Spirit would just connect with your spirit, and that um, you would truly, truly experience God's God's deep peace. I hope through this Advent season that that you were able to experience, um, you know, these these things that we explored each week. You know, starting with hope, having true hope, having having. This sense of love, true love, where you're choosing love. Remember we talked about that, where we're choosing love. Do we really believe love will win? Jesus says absolutely it will. Will love win? Joy. Do you experience that deep rooted joy inside of your life again? That's not based upon circumstantial things, but it's based upon the work of Christ. This that deep sense of joy and that, now today peace. I hope that's. Those things fill your hearts this season. I hope that there are things that, that may have caught your attention that you're going to contemplate, that you're going to wrestle with, that you're going to go to God to, and, and, and really try to figure some things out. And I hope that's that's going to be your Christmas season. You're going to experience uh, these things that we've talked about um, as we've as we've been as we transgress through these things or trans fired over these things, whatever that word would be. Okay, transported travel there we go travel so if you would would you please stand and let me lead us into a word of prayer and um just ask God's spirit to have freedom in this room father I, I, I just give you thanks again as always for who you are for your word for your written word for uh for always loving us for being a God of love unconditional love thank you so much that you never give up on us thank you so much that even when we reject you at times, that you continue to pursue us and you continue to just love on us. I pray, Lord, that this morning that you would just connect with us here this morning. I pray that if there are those in here this morning that are hurting, that when we talk about peace, it's lasting on their mind. Father, I pray that right now that they would just open their spirit to you. They would open themselves to you and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and just overwhelm them with your love and your grace, your mercy and joy and hope, I pray for all here this morning. I pray that right now in this room that uh, that um, ears and hearts would be open. Uh, again, that your Spirit would find freedom to move within them, and that we would never ever look at our spiritual journey as something that we have to do or something that's drudgery. But we would look at it with from the perspective that you want to take us so much deeper in the interiors of who you are. May we look at that and may we live in a humble posture to allow that to take place. Help us to respond to you right now the way you would want us to. Give us the courage. And I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ.